The referee blew his whistle to call the captains of the teams to the center of the field for the coin flip. Students with signs of ban the ball had been hanging around the entrance gate. When the whistle blew, they rushed through the gate and onto the field. The protesters milled around, just downfield from the flummoxed referee. They raised their cardboard signs and shouted, Ban the ball! Ban fascist imperialism on campus! Marty Westridge and Charlie Osman, co-captains of the resurrected Maroons, at first looked horror-stricken. They turned toward the sideline for instructions from the coaches. Mick McVale stood with his hands on his hips, muttering and shaking his head. Wally was looking skyward, as if asking for a divine intervention or an explanation. The referee started blowing his whistle maniacally and moving his arms in a shooing motion as if he could sweep the demonstrators off the field. Marty and Charlie started laughing and then shook hands with their counterparts from Wheaton. The three captains of the Wheaton Thunder JV team looked like they wanted to scream and run away. The demonstration only delayed the kickoff by 15 minutes. Dean of Students Warren Wick left the stands and confronted the protesters. He informed them that they would be subject to disciplinary action for disrupting a sanctioned university event if they did not immediately leave the field. Alan Schmidt, leader of the demonstrators, argued with the dean about whether a football game qualified as an event. The argument became more heated as issues of judicial procedure and notice were introduced. Dean Wick suggested they continue the argument on the sidelines. The fans in the stands had started the chant of, Football, see, idiots, no, and were on their feet. After their initial surprise and amusement wore off, some of the players began muttering amongst themselves about running the kickoff return team like mounted Cossacks through the milling protesters. Jack watched the events unfold with ambivalence. He was amused, only at the U of C, he thought, and irritated. The protesters could have found another venue to vent their disapproval of the resumption of football as a varsity sport. It was disrespectful to the players. It was especially disrespectful to Coach Haas and McVale, who had worked so long and hard to bring back the sport. On the other hand, he could imagine himself among the demonstrators if he wasn't on the team. His interest became more personal, though, when he noticed Alice Novak among the crowd of demonstrators. Alice and Jack had met for coffee and bagels at the Blue Gargoyle after Western Civ class just the day before. He was impressed with her ability to answer Carl Weintraub's hectoring questions of the class. Weintraub was one of the college's most famous, respected, and intimidating professors. Students camped out the night before registration to put in their bid for one of Weintraub's classes. As the protesters straggled off the playing field, Alice's eyes met Jack's. He lifted his hands, palm upwards, in a questioning gesture. She shouted, "'Football is a manifestation of the rapacious, male-dominant culture. First it's oppression, next subjugation, then rape.' She shook her small fist and yelled, "'Violence solves nothing!' Jack shook his head and then mouthed, "'I'll call you.' He strapped on his helmet and snapped the chin guard. The first game of the resurrected Monsters of the Midway would finally begin."